Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Looking for your next great podcast? We live in unprecedented times. To make sense of it, what if you could learn from some of the most influential people on the planet? The podcast Tools and Weapons is hosted by Microsoft's Vice Chair and President Brad Smith. Every week, he has a candid conversation with guests, including prime ministers and Pulitzer Prize-winning journalists. The latest episode features Bayer CEO Bill Anderson. Though most of us know Bayer for pharmaceuticals, they're also focused on crop science. They're putting digital tools in the hands of farmers to get the most out of every acre. Listen to Tools and Weapons with Brad Smith wherever you get your podcasts. The Guardian. Hey there, just a warning before we get into this episode. In case you didn't guess from the title, this episode is about swearing and contains swearing. So it's probably not the best time to have the kids in the room. We've been told that swearing is bad, yet some of us do it anyway. I know that I do whenever I miss a goal playing football, which happens a lot. Whether your favourite curse word consists of four or six letters, for a lot of us, they still appear in our vocabulary, no matter how hard our parents tried to teach us not to use them. Recently, a study from Aston University revealed that we are now swearing less than we did 20 years ago and that the F-word had overtaken bloody to become Britain's most popular swear word for the first time. I'm Shivani Dave, and this is Science Weekly from The Guardian. Today we're exploring why people swear, and what it means for our social relationships. I spoke to Emeritus Professor of Psychology Timothy Jay of Massachusetts College of Liberal Arts to find out more. I've got to say, this is kind of weird for me, because... We're talking about swearing. Obviously, if you want to use a swear word to illustrate your point or to discuss something, then feel free to. But because this has worked for me, it feels so weird to actually use any swear words. So I might refrain. But what is it about swear words that make them so bad? Where does it even come from? Well, the badness of any word is a social convention. So these are pre-biblical restrictions on a whole variety of things, what people could eat, who you could have sex with and when, and what kind of language you could use or not use. That's, you know, that has been passed down generation to generation by our elders. And so these are decisions are somewhat arbitrary, but the people in power, I call them the institutions of power, like religious leaders. Um, they define a category of words. Do they change over time? Well, I, I think of the lexicon of swear words in English as a garden, and the plants that are in this garden are centuries old. 
So for a new word to take place in that garden, it has to displace something. This is a roundabout way of saying that the main swear words in English, Anglo-Saxon words, are hundreds of years old, and they tend to be fairly stable over the centuries. You know, fuck, shit, those kinds of four-letter words. What does change with time are slang terms, and they, these tend to exhaust themselves from time to time. So those words do change, but those four-letter words have been around forever, and there's no sense that they're going to go away anytime soon. Is there a reason why we swear? Swearing allows us to vent our emotions, and it allows us to communicate those deep emotions to other people quite effectively and efficiently. In fact, there isn't any other language that communicates emotion as directly as swear words do. In fact, swear words have a kind of physicality and emotionality that other words don't have. So it achieves two simple things about emotions, venting and communicating emotions to other people. And we're the only animal that can do this symbolically with a word, whereas other animals and infants, young children, convey their emotions much more physically. So animals, uh, your cat will yowl and bite and scratch you as a young kid will do similar things, hit and bite each other. Till they learn how to say things like, oh, I hate you. So swearing serves a bit of a social purpose. It's cathartic. It can shock or insult people. But does swearing make us feel better in any way? Does it help with pain or frustration if you stub your toe and you scream the F word? Is that something that can actually benefit the pain relief? Yeah, there has been research with the cold presser task, which is where you submerge your hand in ice water and half of the participants are allowed to swear when they're doing this, and the other half uh, just say a regular word, like table. And those who said the swear words could tolerate the pain, the ice water, longer than those who don't. But I think, you know, the common experience is the you know, hammer on the thumb. And then as a reaction, saying a swear word I think not only it activates the fight or flight system, so it gets the adrenaline going and allows you to tolerate pain, uh, but it also distracts you cognitively. And is that sort of why it doesn't feel as satisfying to say a substitute like fudge or darn? Yes, because if you think of these words as growing in you and each one has a different level of power... You release more energy when you use the powerful words. So that depends on how you were treated as a child, what community you were raised in, kind of what the offensive words are that have that currency that give you the most relief or express your deepest emotions when you use them. So it's part cultural, it's part personal psychological, and then it's the other part is the community in which you're raised which gives these words different levels of potency. So do different groups of people, different communities, depending on where they live and how they talk to one another, do they come up with their own types of swear words? Yeah, those are the slang words, and they tend to be different expressions, again, playing on those own themes about sexuality. And so with new technology and new social media, we tend to develop 
slang as as in any occupation. A lot of times you can tell people that are play sports or they're technology wizards. They they can develop their own jargon, which can be offensive. And uh, whether that spreads to the other culture or not uh, depends. One of the things we're seeing now is that uh, American hip hop language is spreading around the globe. And so even in cultures that didn't initiate the fuck word, it comes out through film and through music. So we see other cultures using vulgar terms in English through the influence of social media. And that's that's global. We're seeing that globally. From personal experience, I know that whenever my laptop decides to freeze, I have let's say slightly more colorful language, more colorful than I would if I was in the office for sure. As we sort of return to a post-lockdown life and go back to quote-unquote normal, how will our swearing habits change as we start being less private and at home and spend more time surrounded by other people in the office and out and about? I think there are a number of these effects on a temporary schedule. And we're all recovering from the effects of the pandemic on emotional, social levels, how we behave alone at home, as as you're describing. I'm free to do this here. Uh, but when I get back in the office, you know, again, that's being a competent, literate person in the workplace and knowing where to swear and where not to. So I think in the long run, we'll see a short-term response followed by things getting back to, oh, what do we say, the new normal? Yeah, but I don't, I don't think we'll see a major shift. You know, humans have gone through wars and pandemics and crises before. It amps up the level of emotionality on a short-term basis. But I think, again, using my garden analogy, I think, you know, things will come back to a, more like their original state. That is good to know because... If my colleagues start swearing around the office, I'll know to take that quite personally, as opposed to it being just their behavior that has developed over the pandemic. What what does the impact of swearing have on somebody, either uh, the recipient who hears it or the person actually swearing? What does it do for both of those people? Well, I've studied this a lot in public. In my lab, we've watched 10,000 people swearing in public. So I can tell you what that looks like in public. I, I don't know what people do at home, like your example of swearing at your keyboard. <laughs> I do that too, so we probably all do that. Most of the swearing we see in public, it looks like the product of uh, anger or frustration. But it's used for a variety of other reasons. It's used for a joking and fitting in and self-deprecation and telling stories. So I think that the misconception about swearing is that it's a bad thing, you shouldn't do it, but we, you miss on the other side. This is a way that a group of people, maybe rugby players or uh, people in a bar, this is the way they talk there. And you're knowing how to swear in that place marks you as a member of that community. So these are, the again, the deeper reasons why people swear, because it allows us to be human. Sometimes when people swear, it can be done in an affectionate way, in a complimentary way. 
what's the role of context and tone of voice and mannerisms in all of this? Context is everything. A word means what the people using it and hear it agree that it means and the relationship between the speaker and the listener, where they are using fuck on the street versus fuck in the bedroom with your lover. It's the same word, but it's not the same word. So it all depends on on context. The meaning of swear words is entirely culturally, contextually driven. There's no understanding other than within a context. So then is it fair to assume that gender, class, and race have an impact on swearing and how people react to swear words? Oh, yes, certainly, certainly. Swearing crosses all social economic categories. Learning your place in the culture, young, old, man, woman, boss, worker, you know, those are all social markers of the appropriateness of this kind of language. Uh, So all of these, sex, gender, religion, race, age, these are all important variables in swearing. And again, that's, we learn these as we grow up, we we learn these when and where and with whom we can use this language. That's really, really interesting. Thank you so much for your time. Glad to help. That's it for this episode of Science Weekly. More of The Guardian's science stories can be found on the podcast's webpage. If you have any thoughts, feedback or episode ideas, please drop us a message at scienceweekly at theguardian.com. Bye for now. For more great podcasts from The Guardian, just go to theguardian.com slash podcasts. Looking for your next great podcast? We live in unprecedented times. To make sense of it, what if you could learn from some of the most influential people on the planet? The podcast Tools and Weapons is hosted by Microsoft's Vice Chair and President Brad Smith. Every week he has a candid conversation with guests, including Prime Ministers and Pulitzer Prize-winning journalists. The latest episode features Bayer CEO Bill Anderson. Though most of us know Bayer for pharmaceuticals, they're also focused on crop science. They're putting digital tools in the hands of farmers to get the most out of every acre. Listen to Tools and Weapons with Brad Smith wherever you get your podcasts.